Hello and welcome to the Creator Corner Podcast. My name's Jaden and this week, as always, I'm joined by Tom. But fortunately, we are also joined by Olivia, who is a founding member of Little Rock Games, working on the hit dog rescue game, To the Rescue. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Olivia. Welcome. Um, Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'd pretty much just like to start pretty much straight up with how did you basically get started in game development? Pretty broad question. Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I guess I should introduce myself first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm uh, Olivia Dunlap. Um, I'm one of the lead developers on To the Rescue, which is a dog shelter simulator, which is coming out later this year. And it's our first uh, digital release, and we're really excited about it. Uh, we're being published by Freedom Games, and it's coming out on uh, PC and Switch um, and Mac. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a brief introduction to me. And as far as how I personally got started in game development, it's been uh you know, sort of a lifelong dream, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and and I uh but you know, I uh I didn't go to like a like a, a school that like taught how to do it or anything. Um, but I knew that's what I wanted to do and so um I basically just sort of learned how to do programming and learned how to do um I actually have an English degree as well, and so I basically learned a bunch of tangential stuff, tried to sort of push it together to be, uh, to do what I want to do. And yeah, I've been working on games for hobbyist projects since like high school and undergrad and stuff. Um, and this game actually started as a hobbyist project, but it sort of grew. Oh, so is this to the rescue? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you got, so basically you were just saying you haven't really been to university, you sort of just self-taught yourself? Yeah, I mean, I have been. I mean, I've had the privilege. Oh, I mean, yeah. I have a computer. Yeah. I have a master's degree, <laughs> but um, but yeah, but no. But in terms of games, a lot of that was just me sort of, uh, in it. Like I sort of taught myself along the way, and I actually I did have a really. I was very very lucky that even at a school without uh like a games program, I I found a really really great mentor that was also really interested in games, and and so that made a huge difference. To yeah, getting me, yeah. you know, to where I could actually make this my job. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, we took a little bit of a look through your itch.io page, and it seems uh -oh. like you've <laughs> it seems like you've worked on a lot of game jams. Could you yeah, I run us through a bit jams. of them? Sure. Yeah. I mean, some of my first games were game jam games, and a lot of them are just sort of narrative weird games. Um, <laughs> I love really weird itch games like I, I love playing them <laughs> and i have tried to make a few of them um yeah my favorite my favorite one is probably um one from one of the most recent global game jam maybe not the most recent one the one prior um which was a game about being a possum and gathering trash and making a little trash garden um <laughs> so yeah so i've done lots of different stuff like i'll i'll i tend to use game jams as like a way to like try a different tool or or to you know learn something different, and, and so I try to do that in all of those games. But, um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of different ones. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an interesting way to look at it. Really, I looked at the trash gun as well. It's got a few little pictures on top of each other, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did like a collage art style with that one, which was sort of it was super weird to work with, but <laughs> I I just had an idea and ran with it. So. Well, yeah, I'll you sort of have, have to, to do check. that. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out afterwards. You had a few, so I wasn't sure which one to start with. That one's definitely my favorite. So. Okay, definitely. Uh, it's something like a... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. 
Uh, I was, yeah, so another one that I, I'm pretty proud of is um, there's a game called uh, Pretend You Love Each Other, which is just a short narrative twine game. Uh, but it was actually a competition okay. that got published in like a magazine or like an online publication, so that was cool. But it's very, very short. Um, it, I had to stretch. It was like a thousand word limit contest. And, um, it's oh, like really? <laughs> if you take out all the code, it's a thousand words. <laughs> so I, I cheated a little, but but that's oh, what so I'm you, proud of too. So you actually had to keep it a thousand words and code as well. It was question. I essentially asked, and they were like, uh, "Sure, it counts." So <laughs> <laughs> whatever works. Yeah. Uh, so would you recommend doing game jams to other people, like other aspiring game developers? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, especially you know, it's a great way to meet other game devs. I mean, especially if you have ones in your where you live. I mean, we. I, I'm from a pretty small area. There's not many of them in person, especially you know, COVID. But, um. But yeah, it's a great way to sort of collaborate with new people and just try out stuff, and it doesn't have to be good or, or anything. It's it's more just about the fun of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just having fun and meeting new people sounds like a good time anyway. <laughs> Definitely. And the cool thing about them, too, is like you don't even necessarily have to be a game dev to go to a game jam. Like At ours, we have people that'll just do art or just be there to hang out and get snacks, and you know, so there's definitely, if you're just interested in the sort of game dev scene, I guess, to put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a fun thing to do. What, just out of curiosity, what was your style behind a lot of them? Because I've noticed, I, I know a lot of them at the start are mostly text-based, but you've got a few different sort of genres in there. So how do you come up with ideas to jump between them all? Yeah, you mean for my personal games? Yeah, yeah, your personal games and the game champs. Uh, oh man, I don't know. It's It's... <laughs> I, I don't think there's a method, honestly. It's just um, sometimes I'll sort of come in with sort of an inkling of an idea ahead of time and try to see how I can make it fit, like, the, the Game Jam theme. Uh, sometimes it just, you know, somebody else has an idea and it just gets built off of. Most of the time when I've done Game Jams, they've been the Global Game Jam, which is a, it's only 48 hours. Um, it's very short. Um, and so, you know, you sort of just go with the first thing that seems interesting. And, and stick you have to pick it quick <laughs> so. yeah <laughs> is that a lot of pressure doing it in 48 hours uh, it isn't it isn't i mean cause it's not <laughs> like it's judged or anything you know and and um but you know it is i'm I'm one of those people that wants to take care of take advantage of every single hour that i have and, and will barely sleep even though it's bad for me <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a good way to look at it anyway i feel like if it was in 48 hours i'd struggle to pick a few it's like stick to an yeah. idea and yeah but yeah good on you for managing to do it in 48 hours it's very fast and and some people you know will bounce be- between different teams <laughs> like because they're like this idea i can contribute or this 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 idea i can do something oh really that's a yeah, i've never even heard that before that's quite interesting mm-hmm. now, I'm, now i'm learning things as well uh <laughs> what was it like transitioning from like text-based games to making like you know to the rescue like a big like a way bigger game than just a sweet, like basic itch IO game. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's just like a whole different thing, right? You, when you go to make a game that you want to be like a full game, it's you know, um, and I mean, and it's a little bit of a weird thing because in some ways, like To the Rescue started out as effectively a game jam game. We, you know, when we first started working on it, we were just doing it for fun, like just for to see if we could learn how to make a game basically and then it just grew from there and it was really just realizing that the idea had 
a lot a lot of potential i mean because there's a lot of game jam games i've done where i've like wanted to come back to them and just never have but but yeah to the rescue just really stuck around and and felt like it had a lot of potential and as far as like actually working on them it's very different to work on them but i i don't feel like they're like mutually exclusive or like linear things like i still like working on and reading text-based games and that sort of thing so um yeah, it's just um, it's it's a different workflow for sure. Because <laughs> in a lot of ways, te- if you're doing just text, it's it's um, it's not just writing the text. It's just a lot of design work involved and a lot of really interesting things that sort of branching stuff gives you. But um, but yeah, I like them both. I I um, I don't feel like it was like necessarily a transition between them. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely my focus has pivoted to. To these sort of um, production-ready, like marketable, like actually, you know, sellable games. Um, I I noticed before that you you mentioned that um this was the first digital project for uh, Little Rock Games. Have you worked on? Mm-hmm. I I I noticed that they uh, you've you've done like board games and or like tabletop games and stuff. Is is uh to the rescue your first kind of project with Little Rock Games, or were you involved with with their other stuff? I have, yeah. We were. I was one of the founding members. Of All the right, company, okay, okay, so yeah. Been around since, yeah. We're not. Uh, we first formed in late 2017. So okay. And and since then we've done. Uh, our first uh big uh like public game is uh was a tabletop game called Galactic Scoundrels. Um, and and our company was a bit weird in that like we essentially just use it as a way to pool our resources and work on our games together. Um, cause I wasn't the lead on that project, but I definitely did contribute to it. Um, just not full time. And, uh, but we also do lots of other digital work, like on contract work. Like, uh, we've done simulations for, uh, the university of Arkansas for medical sciences and stuff like that. Um, so we do a, l- a little bit of everything. Yeah, it really is yeah. just following what idea seems cool at the time. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Well, um, speaking of To the Rescue, can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, sort of how that like idea came about? Like, go like a bit more in depth. And I know you've already sort of mentioned how it kind of started off, but just mm-hmm. a little bit more uh, detail in that. Yeah, so um, we literally came up with the idea at the dog park <laughs> with our dogs because we were like <laughs> we we uh we we've had a dog forever, and we're and I when I say we, I mean myself and uh. My partner, who's also the other lead developer on the game, Tanner Marshall, um, uh, we were taking our dog to the park, and we just were sitting around letting him play, and just chatting and talking about, you know, because we're both game developers, and we've always wanted to work and make something really cool together. We just hadn't really started yet, and uh, and we were just started talking about the, the idea of a dog shelter game and the idea of, you know, the the interesting mechanics that could be explored there that I don't we didn't really think there have been many other games that had done that and so we just thought it was really cool and fun and um and we just sort of started and we were in undergrad at the time like I mentioned and so we just sort of did it on after school after work that sort of thing um but we just sort of kept with it and, and we ended up you know creating a prototype that we took to GDC that was like a super goofy ugly prototype that was just <laughs> look at us we're students we make we made game move um <laughs> but um but yeah we just kept working on it and um and we rebuilt it multiple times um, yeah. from like scratch um the game is i feel like at this point it's like not even the same game anymore in some ways <laughs> but um but yeah and, and eventually you know we did the kickstarter 
in, in 2019, which was really great. Uh, we got a lot of really, really, really warm response to the game, and then we realized, well, like, cool, this is a thing that people actually want to have happen. And so we turned it into a full-time project and sort of grandfathered it into to Little Rock Games. And, uh, yeah, now it's going to come out this year. Yeah, awesome. What was it like uh, managing a Kickstarter campaign? Because we've spoken with uh, people in the past who've who've gone down a similar route, and they said, like, you have to be on it, like, 24-7 with, like, promoting mm-hmm. it on Twitter and stuff. Did you have, like, a similar experience? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to underestimate how much work running a Kickstarter campaign is because um, it's more than just, yeah, pressing the go button and putting some pretty graphics up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Because, uh, cause, yeah, you have to promote it because, like, because um, Kickstarter is really fickle, you know? Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't meet whatever threshold in the first 48 hours or whatever, you're probably not going to succeed. Um, and yeah, so it was a, a definitely a hectic few weeks and, you know, lots of questions, lots of um, trying to bring people in and reaching out to people. And yeah, it was definitely a lot of work. Um, now, I, a Kickstarter campaign, do you have a tendency to sort of slow down in the middle? Um, but, you know, it's still, it's a constant, you know, it's a constant stressor for, like, the month that it runs, basically, because yeah. it's, like, you know, trying to make your dream happen, and if it doesn't happen, then what do you do? You know? Yeah, 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 of course. Um, um, so, and, but yeah, it was really, really nice for us. We had a great experience with it. Yeah, well, that's great, that's great. Um, can you tell us how many different types of dogs there are going to be into the rescue? Yes, there are going to be over 30. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the reason I say over 30 and not a specific number is because there's going to be 29 uh, regular variants. Yeah. And then the Kickstarter backers, is a, the high, highest level of Kickstarter backers, are, are their custom dogs are going to be in the game. Okay, cool. Uh, and they're going to be sort of special special super dogs. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. That sounds awesome. Do you have a, a favorite type? Oh uh, well, of course I'm biased to the type of dog that I have because the uh, the Great Dane in the game is based on our Great Dane. I see. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so he's even though I also like just because I love the art style, and I love the personality that our artist has been able to sort of put into the dogs in the game. And yeah. I think probably one of my favorites is the uh, there's the Bergamisco Mop Dog. Okay. Um, which is one of the puppy variants in the game, and it's super goofy looking a little bit. <laughs> Um, did you, like, encounter any challenges in trying to make every dog, like, feel unique? Like, because I know, um, if I understand correctly, like, it's kind of randomly generated, like, the names and, and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, did you have issues trying to get, like, their personalities to feel unique? Or was that kind of, like, smooth sailing? Like, did you kind of click and know how to do it? Yeah, we were really worried about that, um, about, because it was really important to the game, is having dogs look and feel unique. Yeah. and um. But, you know, I mean, there's a really awesome phenomena, and, and I forget the word, it's agaphenia, ap- agaphenia, something like, I can never remember it. Uh, but effect, there's this phenomena where um, where people will sort of project, well, they'll fill in gaps and, and, and attribute meaning where there isn't meaning. So, like, um, so for example, if you see a, uh, uh, like a chihuahua spawns in the game, right? The chihuahua has the traits bitey, barky, and overweight. Right. And they'll be like, "Oh, that's just that's just like my chihuahua. Yeah, sure, that's yeah. exactly you captured their personality so well." And it's like, "No, it just randomly happened that way." But cool, <laughs> you know. Um, and and because we don't make any sort of personality judgments on different breeds of dogs, we don't, you know, 
you know, do anything like that, but people will sort of fill in the gaps and it feels, it'll feel right yeah. more often than it feels wrong. Because um, you, you can re-represent the dogs pretty simply because um, they have appearances, they have a few different preferences and they have a few different traits and just those things and combined with the sort of randomness of their behavior makes it feel like that that everything they do feels really emotive and really meaningful. Um, so yeah, we were surprised that even when we when when the dogs in the game were just like like blobs, like <laughs> little sort like in our early drafts, like people lo- like immediately like attributed a lot of personality to them, and and we have continued to grow. Um, actually, the like actual things that get reflected, like you know, like um, bitey dogs get into more fights and and things like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. uh, But it's still it's it's not as deep as as it maybe seems. Um, and I think we found a really good spot for for being able to to express the sort of uniqueness and personality that different dogs have, but without having it be like a very, very deep simulation, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which, can you tell us a bit about what players will like face when actually managing the dog rescue uh, shelter? Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of different things uh, that can pop up. Um, the most, you know, common thing is just going to be the day-to-day care of the dogs and having to deal with, you know, um, dogs that are barking at you because they're hungry (laughs) sort of thing Um, and uh but yeah also doing things like handling diseases that can occur um and handling uh dogs like i mentioned dogs that are bitey might get fights you know handling their personalities and figuring out who can be next to who and that sort of thing and uh, and also matching the the what adopters are looking for which is like a vast majority of what the game is, is 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 just uh, figuring out what adopters are looking for and trying to figure out which dogs to show them to hopefully have them take one home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, sounds good. And um, obviously, you guys have partnered up with uh, the Pet Finder Foundation. Can you tell us a bit mm-hmm. about how that kind of came about and uh, and what it means for To The Rescue? Absolutely. So from the very, very, very first conversation at the dog park about this game, we were like, man, it would be so cool if we could make this game that sort of raises awareness and talks about some of the harder things in shelters but is fun and that actually like you actually are helping real shelters because you know being able to donate like literally from our first conversation we knew we wanted to do that with this game if it ever if it ever grew and it ever became something that we you know made yeah um and and so yeah we promised that from the very beginning and it's really important to us and and it's taken us a long time uh, to actually find up the a partner for for our our charity partner and that's yeah. just because we really wanted to find somebody who um who a had a had a big reach it wasn't just one specific shelter that was getting our donation it was somebody who gave funds to shelters that needed it just wherever i think the pet finder foundation is all uh, all across north america so it's pretty good reach where we're based um and and but also that they because um, one thing that's important to us is that they don't uh, that they they provide help to shelters that that need it you know the ones that have to euthanize because they're completely out of money and the ones that you know need these um, need the resources the most and Pet Finder Foundation is their mission is to you know help prevent any dog getting euthanized that could have a better home yeah and so they provide lots of funding to shelters to help them to help um, prevent them from getting in the shelter in the first place and to do, they fund all kinds of different programs and initiatives and shelters and, and they seem really great. So we're really excited about finding them as a partner. And it was actually our, our publisher that helped us sort of get those conversations going. Um, okay. And so, yeah, so that is, it's worked out. It's worked out perfect. Oh, that's great. Um, 
Speaking more on the kind of like once you've sort of released it side of things, like we've spoken to a couple of uh, indie developers about kind of Steam and how they sort of lack in kind of um, promoting indie titles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know you've put uh, some games on itch.io and stuff. Do you feel like it's easier to reach players on itch.io than like Steam? Like how have you done with kind of like wish lists and stuff like that? That's a really interesting question. I mean, because Steam is just, it's so important for indie devs, right? Yeah. It's so important because it's just such like a, like, I, I don't necessarily want to use this in like a negative way, but it has like a, a monopoly on PC gaming, right? Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to put your game on Steam. Uh, and it, so it's super important. So yeah, we've been pushing, trying to get our wish lists because we know how important they are for a long time. And, and we've actually had a good amount of success and a large part due to our publisher being able to help us with the marketing side. Sure, yeah. Because we're a very, very small team, and we're you know working on the game all the time. It's very hard for us to sort of fill that gap, and it's also just outside of our expertise. Uh, but yeah, going to E3 and 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 Steam Next Fest has really helped uh, made helped us uh, get those numbers up. And so we're pretty happy with where we're at, but it definitely is a stressful sort of situation to be put in as an indie dev. Yeah. Where, you know, like maybe I don't want to be on Steam because they take a 30% cut and they make it super hard to get visibility. But then if you, you know, go on Itch, it's like just nobody uses it and, and way less people use it. Sure, yeah. Do you feel like Steam could do more to promote indie games? Like I know um, on like the new and released uh, tab or whatever, it shows you the ones I think which have the most uh like uh wish lists on it and then if you go to kind of uh the rest of them it's just like everything that's released and there's usually like a hundred games that have been released in that day do you think they could do more to kind of make the visibility a bit better and like find uh more indie games or do you think they're doing the best that they can i definitely think and and this is also coming from somebody who's a relatively new indie dev who hasn't released a game on the steam before so please take what i say with a grain of salt (laughs) (laughs) but i do feel like that steam has gotten a lot better about it over the last couple of years um things like the tabs that you mentioned things like all the, the steam next fest and all these different indie highlight events that they do where they actually push these games in front of people's faces yeah um but I mean, they they do. I mean, the, the the problem with that is that it tends to often be like the same games that get pushed in front of people's faces, yeah, like the same yeah. indie games. Um, but I do feel like they're getting better at it, and they've been introducing tools like the. I don't know if you've encountered the sort of interactive recommender that they have. It's sort of buried on Steam, but they have like a really more a robust where you can go in and look at these very granular like recommendations. Um, All right. Okay. And. You can there's like a slider where you can do like popular or obscure like the oh, okay slider. right okay um yeah so th- they've been slowly rolling out tools like that and I do feel like it's been getting better and I really do appreciate all of the like uh, front page events and things that they do um but yeah it's tough it's definitely tough and if your game gets buried there's not a whole lot you can do yeah you know? yeah especially with you know reviews being so contingent on on that as well um reviews are terrifying. And they shouldn't be, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you're you're planning on releasing on Switch. Is that's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you yes. find that uh the Switch is good for for indie games? I know a lot of indie games get released on the Switch, but in terms of actually promoting those indie games and being able to, you know, the same sort of issue with visibility and stuff. Do you find that it's better on the Switch, or do you think it's roughly the same or worse even? 
Yeah, that's something that I actually have a. I'm gonna have a hard time really answering. Just yeah, no, that's I, fine. It's not. It's mostly not in my hands. Yeah, yeah sure. In yeah. terms of seeing that, um, you know, our publisher mostly handles us. Ta- you know, yeah, negotiating fair enough. With yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sort of thing. Um, and and I mean, really, the answer is just it depends. Because honestly, the Switch is a little bit more um, strict about what goes on their platform. Sure. And so the things that make it on there tend to do pretty well, just because they. They do a good job of only putting stuff on their platform that they want to be on their platform and that they want to recommend and show people. Um, is from my from what I've seen anyway. Yeah, so, sure, uh, yeah. So far, I mean, we're just now getting into the weeds with that. So yeah, I, I, I the, the truthful answer is that I can only speculate. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> at that's this fine. Point. Um, I, I know you mentioned uh Steam Next Fest and E3. Steam Next Fest is obviously is great for indie games, and we we spoke to a developer mm-hmm. recently about the success that he's had um how did you like get onto being onto steam next fest and e3 like was that an easy process or did you have to kind of like fight to get onto it kind of thing it was all 100 percent our publisher so freedom games is is our publisher and they have been wonderful (laughs) yeah they they're pretty new publisher but they've taken on a bunch of indie titles and they've been going above and beyond getting us into these places that i never would have dreamed to be (laughs) like i never would have dreamed to have our game on (laughs) at e3 yeah um and it was and even though you know it was just like a 20 second feature but that was like the thing what what that did for our visibility and what that did for our wish list is like it's it's like absolutely blew us away um so um so yeah, I mean, us having a good publisher, being really lucky in that regard, because um, it is really hard to get into those spaces because they're so competitive. And yeah, so we're really lucky that our publisher is able to to do all that footwork, you know, and get us there. Yeah, awesome. So I take it you recommend um, indie devs get uh, publishers and stuff then? It really depends, okay. honestly. Okay. Um, uh, we in particular had a really great experience because it's been exactly what we needed for our dev team. Um, but, you know, working with the publisher is is, is very different than, than self-publishing in a lot of ways, and it has positives and negatives. Um, okay. But, yeah, our experience has been completely positive because it's been exactly what we needed. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Well, we're just going to talk about some of your other projects now anyway. I sure. understand you've done some work teaching game design. Workshops yeah. at each, initi- each East Initiative. That's right. So what is East Initiative and what was it like doing that? So East is a it's a pro it's a it's a thing here in Arkansas. Um and it's essentially just a program that provides sort of extracurricular sort of education for, for schools. Um I'm actually I'm I'm they basically will reach out to industry people and, and get them to come and guest teach as as not as like a teacher, but as somebody who is in an industry and knows how to, you know, and sort of teaches, you know, um, you know, younger kids. And, and it's from, um, you know, like grades like three through 12 or so. So it's a big variety that gets uh, that's in the program. But it's mainly just about highlighting, you know, science and technology fields and, and what the work is actually like. Like what actual tools do they use? What actual um, things like that? And so they do lots of workshops and things like that for kids. Um, and, and yeah, so here um, I, I've been teaching the uh, game design, intro to game design with Unity course for them um, here in Arkansas. And it's been wonderful. Um, <laughs> it's um, 
you know, I mean, I, I, I like teaching. <laughs> it's fun as to me and, and, you know, being able to sort of share the very specialized knowledge in, in and hopefully introductory way is really fun. And it's a nice way to sort of, you know, direct my energy outward as opposed to towards my own projects. Like I like to be able to, you know, because I'm not like a, you know, I haven't been in this industry forever or anything, but I can definitely help other people get started and get interested in it. Um, and especially as somebody that, you know, because here in Arkansas, there's not much of a game dev scene. And, you know, I'd like to maybe help it grow some. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Is that, is Unity your ideal choice of software over like Unreal or something like that? I have only used Unity. <laughs> so that is what I know. And so that is what I use and what I teach. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. Um, it, I mean, just like with any anything that you use it definitely has its quirks and its problems and it's easy to shake your fist at it i i'm looking <laughs> over at my partner tanner who's been wrestling with it over the last <laughs> few weeks trying to get us get it optimized for switch um, and it has been a yeah, headache yeah. but um but yeah i mean it's 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 great just because of how many resources there are out there to learn it there's lots of game devs that use it um and that have you know made Anything from hobbyist projects to actual full published games, and because it has that sort of flexibility, it's really nice. I do like to teach it just because it's easy to learn more about it. Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. I also saw that you had some experience working with VR development. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So in um, grad school, I uh, was at the Emerging Analytics Center here in at U University of Arkansas at Little Rock, and um, they are essentially have like a very state of the art uh, VR research lab there that um, where you know students can you know essentially you know innovate and work on projects and things like that, and um, yeah, and it's headed by. Um, Carolina Cruz is who was there when I was there, and she is a very, you know, forefront of VR technology. She uh, was part of, responsible for inventing uh, this VR platform called The Cave, which is sort of like a holodeck that you can walk out through into a room, like, then it's like a full immersed VR experience, and I got to develop for that, and like, we got contracted for uh, lots of big companies and things like that, and, and it was, yeah, it was really interesting being able to work in VR. It's a whole different thing than a lot of other work I was doing, but if anything, it was just cool to learn more about game development and, and game-like thing development in Unity, because that's, that's about the closest thing to game development that, that I could actually get involved in that wasn't just starting my own company from scratch. Yeah, that's fair enough. It sounds actually pretty awesome. Have you ever considered... It was very cool. Yeah, have you considered making a VR game in the future? Uh, would we you have... consider it? We have done some AR stuff for some of our contract work. Um, it's it's definitely just not my favorite thing to do. I mean, just because it's like I I think it's really fun and cool and important. I just you know I just would rather bring my games to as many people as possible, and you know the sort of unique peripherals and whatnot make it a little bit of a sort of specialized fun and cool thing. But it's just not my favorite thing, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, and I learned enough about it to realize, you know, how much of a headache it can be to work with. Yeah, no, I can I completely imagine it'd be very difficult yeah. to code. A lot of late nights shaking my fist at something I didn't realize. <laughs> I took forever to understand how it worked. Um, so just kind of uh, to end, we've got a couple of like fun questions that we sort of ask uh, everyone at the end of the 
end of the interview. So first of all, um, have you like been playing games like? I think I think you mentioned earlier actually that you've been playing games like since you were young. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Is is there any that have had like a kind of profound effect on your life? Any that you kind of remember playing as a kid? Oh my gosh, yeah. So, <laughs> and I don't know if you remember if either of you was the one doing the interview during uh, during E3. Uh, I have a, a Spyro plushie on my desk that I keep here that has been All right. here. It's like a 20-year-old yeah, yeah, yeah. plushie. Um, and he, yeah, I love Spyro. <laughs> Spyro <laughs> was my first video game ever, and I still love it deeply. Um, um, and yeah, and so that game obviously stuck with me forever just because it was how I learned what video games were. Um, <laughs> and and also, like, some later games that I played in, you know, sort of more formative years later on, like, like Final Fantasy X was a big one for me. Okay. Um, just because it was me... That, that was the game that made me realize how that games could tell really cool, complex stories. Um, oh, okay. And, and, and so it was very eye-opening for that reason. Um, and it's always in, like just the world building has always really inspired me. And obviously, like I don't know, if, I I don't really build many games like that. I mean, obviously not that big, but um, but yeah, no, I love I loved RPGs and I loved really just narrative experiences, and and so that's really what led me to doing both um, computer science and English as my majors, is because I've always just loved storytelling, and so I've I played a lot of those sorts of games too. Yeah, fair. Um. Outside of video games, what what do you enjoy doing? Well, I do. I roller skate. Okay. But I'm I'm actually a member of our local roller derby league. Very cool. Even though you know I haven't done, I'm way out of shape because COVID has yeah. ruined that for a while. <laughs> um, I actually just got my cast off yesterday from breaking my wrist at the skate park. So oh wow. That's fun. <laughs> uh, I also, um, other than I'm trying not to just say games. Because <laughs> that's a vast majority of it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we take our dogs out lots of different places. Like I said, we're dog people, so they're basically hobbies, I guess. Um, and also fish keeping. I have a, I have an aquarium that I have. Uh, cool. Spend too much time with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very broad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't. I, yeah, I, I refuse to be put in a niche. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um. For whatever reason, I think we started with the first one asking about Cyberpunk, and we have since been asking everyone about Cyberpunk. Do you have any thoughts about Cyberpunk 2077? Uh, it's okay if you don't. It's okay if you don't. <laughs> I do. Okay, cool. I do. Cool. That's great. But I don't think I'm going to go into them. <laughs> fair enough. That's Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, is it because you're angry? or upset or because you love uh, it are you on the other side of the fence do you love it i'm i am neutral on the subject <laughs> fair enough <laughs> um okay um i i oh, haven't yeah? played it i'll put it that way i have not purchased or played i haven't it. played it and it annoys me to no end i don't know why but it yeah, just well annoys me to no end see yeah, I, ha- I i have played it and i enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we often debate this subject uh pretty much Uh-oh. every episode. <laughs> okay, um before we wrap up, uh can you tell us what your top 5 games of all time are and why? It's okay if you don't oh have a top 5. Oh my god. If you don't have a top 5, it's <laughs> okay. fine. It's fine. I can definitely name a few of them because a few of them I name already which are Spyro yep. and Final Fantasy 10. Yep. Uh Monster Hunter World. Cool, yeah. 
is up there. I'm a huge Monster Hunter fan. Probably my favorite game franchise. Have you played? I um... actually did notice that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did notice I... you wrote that in a lot of uh, your about. I think it's section. in my Twitter <laughs> yeah. bio. So yeah. you know. Have you played the I, uh, yes. the new Monster Hunter stories? No, it just came out yesterday, and oh, right, I have yeah. not got it. I still, because of my cast, I'm behind on Rise, so you know. Fair. Yeah. Fair I gotta enough. get caught up. <laughs> fair enough. What's number um, four? Number four. Uh, well, I'm a big fan of weird niche indie games, so I think I have to put at least a couple of those in my top five. And also, these are probably also in my bout section because I like talking about them. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. So, Diaries Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor is one. It's a huge inspiration for me. Okay. It's a very strange indie game, but I absolutely love it. Um, and uh, Xenoclash, which also just got a new game announced like, yeah, last yeah, week. Yeah, 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 I saw that, yeah. For the first in, like, what, like, six or seven years? I am so hyped. <laughs> I cannot even... It's also a game that, like, I, I'm like, this game, I love this game, but then people look at me like, okay, like, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, I love, I love the Xeno Clash games. Fair, fair. Sounds good. Yeah. Nice little smattering of different genres. Yeah, always different... good. Always good. Because I, I do, I'm one of those people that plays, like, lots of different, like, I, I love Crusader Kings, and I love <laughs> Spyro, and I love um apex legends and overwatch yeah so yeah a little bit of everything <laughs> sounds good yeah i think it's definitely good to have a bit of different genres and playing it around i think last week we got asked the question of what our favorite games was and i was stumped <laughs> so it's I can hard it definitely I've, is. <laughs> if i hadn't if i hadn't sat down and like already sort of had them lined up then if you ask me like top 10 then we'd have a problem but <laughs> Yeah, I got to four, and I was like, "Oh no, what's the <laughs> well, last one?" My problem, my problem is whenever I ask that question, I'll give an answer, and then I'll like ten minutes later, I'll think about yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. what about this one? That's literally what I did last week. It's why we love <laughs> yeah. to ask it to put everyone on edge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah, well, awesome. Thank you for speaking with us today, Olivia. Um, just before we finish, is there anything you wanted to plug? And I know it's what you won't be able to say you anything. You know what it is. Yeah. You know you won't be able to say anything specific as well, but can we expect to the rescue by the end of the year, this year, or? Yeah, this fall. So i definitely like to plug to the rescue. It's a game I've been working on on and off for like six years. And so it's super exciting to finally be coming out. It's going to be coming out this fall on Steam and on Nintendo Switch. And um, yeah, no exact release dates yet, unfortunately, but definitely give it a wish list on Steam. Like we, I mentioned, it's super helpful for our visibility and it's a great free way to support indie devs and, uh, and keep an eye on our social media because we're going to keep posting cool stuff. Yeah, awesome. Well, cool. thank, well you. thank you. Thank so you for much. coming on the show. Yeah, I had a great time. So thank you for asking me on. <laughs> thank you. That's all we have for this week's podcast. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms at The Game Crater. That's at The Game Crater on all social media platforms. And make sure you pass the pod. See you next week. Bye.